You're listening to the Shire Fit Podcast. This series, Max and Johnny explore how to become the master of your mindset. Right, guys, uh, we are back. This is week three of the mindset series, and uh, we hope you're enjoying it so far. How long is this mindset block? Depends how many ideas I get. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like a six-week mindset no, cycle. No. It's not like a breathe cycle. I've got I've got four more left, so that would work out at seven. But I feel oh, like seven is just a bad number to finish on. So no, I feel like number seven though. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I want to make it eight. It's it like six-week strength block with a deload. Like week seven is like the deload week of the mindset. We'll block. just don't do any mindset on that week. Yeah. So this week, guys, uh, we've got a. Uh, warm-up question from Karen about eating before a class. Uh, we've got a strength section where we're going to give our take on barefoot shoes. Uh, we hope the Vivo are listening. Yeah, this is going to be good. Uh, Johnny's hoping for some sponsorship. Oh, no. And then the workout today is um, the difference between the predator and the prey mindset, which was an infographic that we recently put out on an Instagram, but uh, it's a chance for us to talk through it and really unpack that concept so that you can apply it to your training in the gym. So to get us started with our warm-up question today, this one is perfect for Johnny. Uh, The question was from Karen. Um, Karen asks, what, if anything, should I eat before a class? It's a great question, um, and I'm going to answer it properly rather than uh, jokingly, as I was tempted to. Uh, So with food before a class, you've got to think about when the class is in comparison to the rest of your day, right? So... If you're training first thing in the morning, you've got to think about what time you're getting up, what ability you have to make anything, if anything, whether you can stomach anything that close to a class, um, and the time you've got pre-class. So let's give the 6am class as an example. If you're waking up at 5 or maybe even half 5 and rolling out of bed and coming straight to class... Most of our members are most like members, quarters to 5. Well, exactly. Because, <laughs> Sorry, quarter to Because six. you want to maximise your sleep, right? Yeah, like there's the, yeah. It's all well and good prioritising your training first thing, and I have a lot of respect for people that, tra- that train at that time. But sleep is also important to recovery, appetite yeah. management, and all those things. So you've got to think about the cost-to-benefit ratio. You're not going to be able to digest anything, even a banana or a shake or anything. You could bring... Um, like a protein mixed carbohydrate shake with you and yeah, you like can drink that intra. during class yeah, yeah intra workout if you'd like to that's fine but your pre-workout meal is probably going to be your evening meal right and so get rid of any kind of concept in your head of like oh I can't eat after 8 o'clock or I can't eat you know too close before bed because your body is resilient and you can do anything you want and if you're having your evening meal at like 6 or 7 and you're going to bed at half 9 there's nothing wrong with maybe having, you know, some pre-bed porridge or something like that, which is actually going to help you sleep. It's going to fill up your glycogen stores, which are the, your stored version of carbohydrates, and you're then going to have plenty of energy to train that next day, and you'll just eat when you get home or, or after the gym. If it's at any other time of the day, you've got to think about the way that we digest food and the natural hunger and appetite management of a human is somewhere around the kind of three to five hour mark, right? Every three to five hours. And the muscle protein synthesis uh, science, which is where we grow and repair new muscle tissue, says that ideally to kind of, you know, spike the leucine threshold and and implement that process, every three to four hours is a good benchmark. So it's a muscle gain theory as well to eat that regularly. If you're training at 12 or at five, you've got to think eating something like what eating something one to three hours pre-training is going to be a good thing to give you plenty of protein and carbohydrates as energy for you to utilize in that session everything you eat anyway is going to get stored as energy that you can use in that session but having something just beforehand 
if it's only kind of just readily digested, carbohydrates particularly are going to be more within the blood. You know, the sugar's going to be in the blood. That's going to be readily transported and used as energy within that workout. So you don't necessarily need to dip into glycogen stores and pull out carbohydrates from there. So it's just about having mixed energy usages that you can use to train. Particularly with CrossFit, which is intense and it's heavy, it's more of a glycogen dependent thing right fats will be there your aerobic metabolism will always be going on recovery between sets recovery between you know exercises as you do intensity but because of the heart rate that you'll be working out as it's going to be glycolytic it's going to be glycogen fueled which is carbohydrates so protein and carbs is my best idea really for a pre-workout with keeping fats a little bit lower um and the further away you are from a workout the more you can digest solid food so like meat and you know, potatoes, meats and pastas. The closer you are to work out, the more you're going to want quicker digestible foods. And so that would be like carbohydrate powders, fruit, or even, you know, sweets uh, from a carbohydrate perspective and protein more in a liquid form than a solid form. So I hope that's making kind of sense. You've got to think about the three macronutrients, protein to grow, carbs to go, fats for mojo, because they are, you know, very important to our hormonal health and aerobic metabolism. Why would you stay away from fats before a workout? Purely because of the speed of digestion. And also, it's not like I'm saying don't eat fats. I'm just saying if you're thinking specifically pre-workout, you can mm. keep them a little bit lower to ensure that digestion of the other foods is quicker. Yeah. And it's about a proximity to your workout piece. You know, the, as I said, the further away you're eating, you could probably have more fats. It would, it would increase the staying power of your meal uh, and keep you fuller for longer and, and thereby, thereby walking into the gym and having enough energy. On that note, because a lot of people train after work, I think too many people have too long between meals. So if you're training after work, you you want something at like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And that's natural anyway. Like so many people I work with are, say to me, oh, you know, I'm good all day. And then I get an afternoon crash um, and I try and go to the gym, gym sucks. And then I just overeat in the evening. And it's like, it's because you're undereating. Mm. You're not allowing yourself to have that afternoon snack because you're afraid of overeating and kind of gaining weight because that's obviously everybody's biggest fear. But with something like CrossFit, you want to fuel yourself adequately to be able to compete well in the gym, not because you want to compete with other people, but no. if you train hard, you'll get better results. You'll get stronger, you'll get fitter, you'll recover better. So having something every three to four hours is a great rule of thumb. And if you don't, don't want another meal that you have to cook in the afternoon, then having something like yogurt, fruit and nuts and things and peanut butter and things like that is a really well-rounded, balanced, filling snack that would really help you for your training session and then you can have an adequate dinner and then go to bed. Yeah, there was, so there's two parts to this question. Um, sorry, I'm grilling you, but I just want to no, completely great. answer it, uh, which is what if anything? So I think there's a slight... Um, question as to whether she should eat or not is there any times it's not a solid answer that's yeah is there depends. any times that you would suggest that someone doesn't eat prior to to a class just if it, if it's first thing in the morning and you don't have time to digest food mm. like you could always have a banana on the way to the gym it's going to be digested pretty quickly whether you get any utilization out of that rather than just kind of like feeling full mm. is is totally up to you um because that in itself can be a mental game like mm. if you come to the gym, even if you've got stored glycogen, if you feel hungry, it can mm. affect your performance. And I mean, we're going to go on to like predator versus prey mindset later on. But even that psychosomatic thought yeah. can affect everything. Oh, I'm drained. I'm tired. I'm drained. Yeah. I'm tired. I've got no energy. Like yeah. I see it with people when they, let's say they have pizza the night before a class. Mm. And they're like, oh man, I had pizza. That's why I'm feeling sluggish. And it's like, yeah. well, actually, 
Pizza is like a really good pre-workout meal. It's like full of carbs. It's full of energy. Pizza is the choice of every games athlete. Every games athlete yeah. because of the <laughs> amount of energy there. Yeah. So you know you might have overrate pizza, yeah. and therefore you you know became bloated and sluggish. And we could go all into a relationship with food, and that's mm. why we overeat and all the all the rest of that jazz. But that's definitely for another episode. But like any question in nutrition, it depends. Yeah. Training first thing, maybe something quicker digesting, yeah. bringing, as we just said there, like a shake to sip on during class. That's mm. a really good strategy, particularly for hydration, actually. Like bringing, bringing fluid with a little bit of carbohydrate or electrolyte mixed in, fantastic for hydration and maintaining energy through a class, particularly if you're doing classes and you feel like in the last bit, you don't really have anything left to give. Mm. That's where intra-workout nutrition can really help. I mean, we're not marathon runners, for God's sake. Yeah, it's like a 20-minute workout. Yeah. I think, again, it's it's remembering the purpose of the macros. Yeah. Protein to go, protein to grow, carbs to go. Mm. And I think because people get worried about carbohydrates, they under-eat them, and thereby they're actually negatively affecting their output in the gym. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would... Um, just my 20 piece on this is, I've, and you will have as well, seen it all, done it all, and made all the mistakes. Like... And, and I think what, what you've given there is really tactical, strategic advice for people to like, okay, this is the information, but then their point is that they have to go and try it themselves, isn't it? Like, Test and retest. I've, I've done the porridge five minutes before a class because I haven't got up on time, mm-hmm. then been sick during the class. Mm-hmm. I've done the, at a steak too soon, you know, at lunchtime, tried to work out, felt sluggish, felt down. I've done intra shakes and felt good you know like you've got to do try and then listen to your body haven't you feel yeah. like feel what it's like and if it doesn't work for you change it exactly because like, what off works for you is going to be different for someone else yeah and that i mean that's the biggest issue in nutrition it, you can answer that for every is, question is like, you, yeah. yeah it's like everybody wants the answer yeah tell me what to do like, yeah but what they need the is plan. the information from someone like you to to guide their like, understand the principle oh, of it. i had um you know toast with peanut butter before i came and it fe- i felt a bit full and a bit sick okay we'll try a bit of a- try an apple and some peanut butter okay with that I, f- I still felt a bit full sick okay try just the apple mm. like i felt good and then yeah. boom you found it you and don't think that that's the answer because in two years time the apple might not be enough <laughs> it might be something different and it, yeah. and it depends on what else you've eaten that yeah. day yeah. that's the thing the thing with, with the thing with nutrition is remembering that it's a combination of intuition emotion and rational thought mm. so you have to think about what your hunger and appetite are telling you remember the science i just said there about eating every kind of three to five hours and feeling well fed the science of what the macronutrients do for you and then from a rational thought perspective you can go right i've had this much today already I'm training at this time, I want to feel good, thereby I'm going to have this snack and that's going to help me feel good for that session. Because the mindset you go into with your food is just as important as the food you eat. Yeah. Bang. We've found a way to put nutrition into mindset. Well done, Johnny. Done it. <laughs> cool. Right. We'll move on to our strength question. Uh, sorry, our strength now, guys, which is mine and Johnny's hot take on one of the fitness concepts. Um, in the industry at the moment, which is everyone should be wearing barefoot shoes. Johnny is sat next to me in a pair of barefoot shoes. I think, I think I've only ever seen you train in barefoot shoes. Actually, I only yeah. train in them now. Yeah, there you go. I don't think I've ever seen you wear trainers. To be honest, no. I only. Did you wear them down at Sid? Maybe ran in some. Tra- I ran in running trainers at yeah. Sid, but purely because of the volume of the run. Yeah. And not wanting to wear barefoot for that, because I've not built up the <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to suggest that your answer would be yes. Do you agree with that uh, concept, or you know, where's the nuance in that? <laughs> well, I think it's again, it depends. You know, mm. I can't just say to someone like, "Well, you should always be wearing barefoot shoes," because mm. if they come to me and they've got, you know, specific mobility issues or other things, or they're working on certain things, or 
you know, they're at a certain point where a certain shoe helps them with their range of motion and they're helping them elicit a certain response, then I'm mm. not going to tell them they're wrong. Because again, yeah. like these work for me mm. and I've always had really good mobility. Like mm. I mentioned this before, I'm very fortunate for that. It's mm. not been an issue I've ever had. I've had, Damn it. <laughs> I've had issues where I've had like foot arch problems and like yeah. I broke my toe once and so I had a really bad issue with my right foot and my arch and I knew my ankle mobility suffered a bit from that. Yeah. And it was interesting then doing a lot of the barefoot strengthening work from Dr. Andrea Spina. And it's, and it's difficult because as someone who's an evidence-based fitness professional, I've not taken a massive amount of time of looking at all of the foot science mm. um, because my specialty was in nutrition yeah. and a specialty a lot in like now exercise science. There's only so much time that you can read a lot of this research. Mm. All I know for me is that a lot of those foot strengthening exercises... The research will probably be skewed and then out of the day well, exactly. by the time you're reading who's, it anyway. Who's done so. it and... Yeah, yeah. exactly. So like, <laughs> who's done the research, what they're funding from and all the rest of it. Yeah. All I know is that those foot strengthening exercises helped my arches get mm. a lot stronger. I'd always been someone who was very flat-footed in quotation yeah. marks. I can splay my toes a lot better. I can control my toes a lot better, like, individually. And then as I graduated more to barefoot shoes you know, the strength of my feet improved, my ankle mobility improved, you know, I can snatch and squat in these trainers. Mm. And there's no issues there. Mm. Um, so it's it's just that I've taken time to mould into them and it works for me. Yeah, so some really cool bits there that I'm just going to like pull out for the listeners. So basically there's two postures with your feet. Um, one that's designed to uh, absorb force, which is your arch. If you think about a bridge in society, it's designed to absorb and dissipate force. And that is essentially what you're creating with your foot in the arch. And one is designed to produce force. And that would be like more of the flat foot. If you think about like, uh, like uh, I think about like a steak iron or something like that. You're trying to produce force, push down. So you need this pronated foot, which is the flat foot, which pushes into the ground. But you also need to be able to do the other foot, which is the arch foot, which absorbs force. So... You know, if we're trying to, for example, jump off of a building and land softly, we need our foot to be able to create that arch, dissipate force, right? If we're trying to jump onto a box from the floor, we need our foot to be able to pronate, flatten out, so we can press into the floor. And so these barefoot shoes are designed, well, are trying to help you restore normal function, which is those two shapes. Yeah. And for some... You know, your body is an organisational machine. It will organise to exactly what you ask it to do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So, for example, my feet have incredibly high arches Mm -hmm. because I was in the army. I Mm -hmm. marched around with weight on my back all the time Mm -hmm. and for like 10 years. And so my feet are just designed designed to absorb. Yeah, and they do not flatten out. They struggle to flatten out. Right, because right? it's, it's you would have been the other way by the sound yeah. of it. Yeah, You'd have I been was. a flat person who yeah. didn't absorb very well. Is no. that right? Yeah, and and again, so like you've got a combination there of your environment producing that response yeah. for that long because that's what it needed to do. Yeah, and with anything, you know, just like the size of our legs and the length of our arms, our feet are different. Mm. I've always been someone who had very wide feet. Yeah, and I've never fit into things like Nike trainers, even Adidas yeah, trainers. Nike I find thin, aren't they? Yeah. really uncomfortable. Like. Yeah like casual trainers I find really uncomfortable like they really hurt my feet after mm. a while probably because I'm, I'm wearing barefoot trainers all yeah, the time flattened out a bit because yeah. they, well, they talk about that toes playing and that yeah. wide base being kind of the natural way but I think there are definitely people out there with thinner feet you know mm. it's like anything there's there's diversity within your feet structure so mm. it's going to be as you just let talk there about the purpose of the feet you almost need to dig deep into your personal like foot journey mm. 
and go, are my feet allowing me to perform the way that they need to? Like, do I have function in both ways? And if not, how can I restore that? And, yeah. and is that then a, a trainer swap thing to do or, you know, an extra Maybe exercise thing to do? Yeah, you know, there's yeah, a lot like, about it. I think the... Um, I think to answer, to, to try and stick to the concept, everyone should be wearing barefoot shoes. I disagree, I would say. I think in a perfect world where people exercised regularly all the time and walked around not on tarmac and man-made structures, walked around on grass, then yes, I would say everyone should be wearing barefoot shoes or no shoes. Mm. Everyone should be barefoot. Mm. But we don't live in a perfect world and a lot of our interaction with the floor is tarmac and a lot of people don't exercise enough to have the structures in their feet to be able to support them on tarmac all the time. So, and, and, and by the way, this is my personal experience, right? So, uh, for my birthday, the team clubbed together, got me a pair of Vivos and like any idiot, I was like, I'll just wear them all day, every day (laughs) for the next six weeks. Yeah. So I coached in them, trained in them and I walked Bernard for an hour to 90 minutes every day in them, which was a ridiculous jump in volume for my feet, which yeah. couldn't handle it. And I'm not saying this is 100% the case, but I think I ended up with a bit of a hip issue right. as a result. Mm. Combination of too much adductors in my training and the shoes, I think made me internally rotate the hip more than I was ready for and I ended right. up with some hip issues. Yeah, right. Yeah. So if you are gonna buy a pair of these shoes, for goodness sake, don't be an idiot like me and gradually build yourself up to tolerance with them that, yeah. you know wear them for a day a week then two days a week then you know or mileage do one mile a week then two miles a week you know so on i was a bit of an idiot with mine and i wore them too much too soon thinking i'll be fine and i wasn't why did i buy the shoes in the first place or why did i want the shoes because i need to work on pronation and producing force mm. and i thought they would help me flatten out my feet which they did Right, they did actually. I felt I felt stronger squatting and things in them because mm. I could feel when my foot was doing the right thing. Yeah, these big padded shoes that we wear, they give us no interaction, no proprioception with the floor. You can't feel what your feet no. are doing, can you? No, no. Um, and I was just saying to Johnny before this podcast how if you watch Johnny in a class, his feet are very active. They're always like curled up, gripping the floor, or flattening out, pressing out. Your your feet do good, good things, mate. All right, thanks. Yeah, because I, I don't pay much attention to them anymore. Yeah. Though when I first started wearing them, like even with deadlifts, I found that was a big change because, you know, we talk about internal torque and rotation properly of a deadlift and a proper hinge. You know, knowing the difference between the, the hinge pattern and the squat pattern and yeah. having your feet do the right thing. I mean, come on, mate, they say in the box as well. I know. Actually, I know, the, the I know. Volume, like, they have a guide on how it to was do more, it. It wasn't <laughs> stupidity or, or ignorance, it was more like overestimation of my robustness. Thinking you'd like, be fine. Yeah, I was like, I'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Silly. Um, Understandable with the volume <laughs> of training that you do yeah, to think yeah. that way. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'll be okay. But, you know, and it, we can save it for another episode, but the point that I brought up before we recorded was I believe it's quite similar to, you know, like knee sleeves, mm. belts, and like assistant stuff. Obviously for weight, you know, as you said, should everyone wear these barefoot shoes? If you were an actual Olympic weightlifter, mm. you would be wearing Olympic weightlifting shoes because mm. you need the heel mm. to be as low as possible mm. in your squat, but also to have the weight pushed forward. You know, the biggest thing we talk about when we do Olympic lifting is keeping the weight over the bar mm. for as, uh, until you pass the knees and then only then do you begin the scoop and then you pull so that you're directly in line with the bar. The weightlifting shoes creates that dynamic for you for pushing you forward over. But when you're crossfitting, you know, you might need to do a max lift in the middle of a Metcon 
Yeah. Or like you're doing clean and jerks at 100 kilos while doing burpee box over jumps and pull ups and then 5k run. Yeah. Like you can't just change your shoes. You need no. to be resilient enough to have the ability to not have your shoes. And the reason I bring up belt and sleeves is because I feel a lot of people, as you just said there about arches and trainers, giving you no proprioception back. Mm. So actually your feet get used to not being able to use them really. Mm. Switch off. Like, yeah. well, yeah, some, yeah. something else is doing the job for me here. I think it's the same with your belt and sleeves. Mm. Like you're, you're getting used to that assistance when you're just doing five by five back squat. Like you're not working your core because it's supported. Like save that for when you max out and then you give yourself that extra 5% when you need it rather than almost relying on it to not get injured because mm. that's covering up a, a bigger issue. You're speaking straight to my heart right now, Johnny. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, yeah, the, funnily enough, this is a side topic, but we'll just go into it quickly. The, you know Olympic lifting shoes have the strap, right? Mm. And most normal shoes don't. Mm-hmm. This, I don't know this, by the way, but this is my theory on that. I think that people who get into weightlifting generally are the people who are more flat-footed because flat-footed people squat better, mm. right? So I think people who pronate flat-footed, they enjoy this bottom squat position. They're just like, oh, I love weightlifting, it's class. Mm-hmm. And then you get this legacy of like 10, 20 years of, of weightlifters who are heavy pronators, can't absorb. Mm. And then I think down the line someone's gone oh you know what if we could just absorb force more we'd stop getting injured right what's a good way of me fixing that created the strap across the middle Mm. and what they call that is arch support right so they manufacture an arch position out of your shoe Mm. for some for someone who's a squatty person who's a pronator right Mm. and that's what i think happened it makes sense but that's a good theory like i would it's funny that, isn't it? Because you'd have to do a lot of deep research yeah. into understanding if that probably was why. Yeah. But it's a good deal. And I don't... It probably wasn't, right? But as in, like, I don't I think they knew subconsciously what they were fixing, but I think I can understand it now looking back at, like, okay, you know, someone like Penny walks in the gym, she's got a brilliant squat straight away. She's quite flat-footed. She just loves squatting. Well, what does she like, enjoy doing? Weightlifting. She ends mm-hmm. up going to a weightlifting competition, you know? And eventually, you get, 10 years later, you end up with Penny designing a shoe. And she goes, oh, you know what would be good with these? Arch support, because it would be good for her. Whereas, like, I'm opposite. I'm like a big arch person. I almost need pronate support. I need some strap to pull my foot down, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, side point. On to the workout thing, guys, which is um, this dive into these two mindsets. You've got the predator mindset and you've got the prey mindset. I'll probably, I'll just go through a quick run through um, the main points and then me and Johnny can just discuss them. But um, what we want to do is discuss what they are and then give you some tips and um, advice on how to potentially shift from one to the other when you're in the gym if you need it. So um, we've got this prey mindset where um, the, the, the phrase is eyes to the side, ready to hide. Um, And if you think about any sort of prey animal, they're always kind of looking out the corner of their eyes, trying to cover up their weaknesses, worried about what's gonna happen. Um, The prey thinks about everything that's going on around them um, that's outside of their control. So, you know, the weather, the, you know, opponent that they're facing, whatever it, you know, it might be, it might be, I don't know, an eagle or something. I can't think of any predators right now. uh, they focus on uh, the wrong things. They compare themselves to others. They fear making mistakes um, or potentially failing. And they are kind of led and driven by emotion. And as a, as a result, generally, a, a prey animal will, will quit when being chased by a predator eventually. Um, predators, the opposite way around. So uh, the saying is eyes to the front, ready to hunt. 
and the predator animal is thinking about the task at hand and they the things that they can control so what they can control is their effort their attitude towards the task the predator animal is focusing on the next move where they're going to go how they're going to attack they're focusing on their goals what they're trying to achieve they're relentless and accept failure on a daily basis um, and they also demonstrate incredible emotional control um, and they never give up so you can see those like two mindsets and then just to try and like apply those to the gym I think on the prey side you've got people that worry about who's in the class with them or who's at the competition with them and whether they're going to look bad or not you've got members that potentially moan about judges judging standards movement standards execution you've got members that um, constantly compare themselves to others you've got members that are worried about making mistakes and would prefer choose an easier option so that they don't make mistakes and you've got potentially members who are more led by their emotions in the gym than they are um, in control of their emotions and then the opposite way around we're looking at um, you know moving towards this predator style mindset where in the gym they're focused on a predator is focused on nothing more than what they can control so that's their effort their attitude um, their decisions that's they're focusing on their next move right why is what's happening and why can I uh, what can I do to improve they're focused on their goals what they're trying to achieve they don't care what anybody else is doing it's all about my progression they're relentless in in trying new things and accepting that failure is a part of the journey and they have that emotional control um, yeah that's my dive into the two um, mm. what are your thoughts straight off the bat with that Johnny I think for me it comes down to what we chatted about before which is controlling the controllables and controlling like only only focusing on what you can control like it's not about winning it's not about being the best it's not about but you know when you think about predator and prey it's really easy to kind of get caught up into like oh what does that mean you know that, like does that mean that like i need to win everything because i you know to be the predator like this off of the pack it's like no 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 it's not well that. yeah the predator loses most of the time well, in nature doesn't it yeah it, because the most of the att attempted hunts end in failure but they don't let that stop them yeah. from hunting again yeah because they need to eat and obviously we're not animals in nature <laughs> but we need to focus on what we can control which means our own effort right and there are so many things outside of our control that just aren't even worth bringing in and somebody else's progress somebody else's ability in the gym has nothing yeah. to do with us and people have different training backgrounds before they've come to crossfit they've got different athletic backgrounds before they come to crossfit they've got different genetics they've got different limb lengths they've got different lifestyles different priorities different jobs family dynamics and all of these other things so on any given day, you're going to perform differently. And to say like, oh man, like I don't feel like I'm getting good enough. You know, so-and-so's got a pull-up and I can't, I can't do a pull-up yet. Like it's so, I understand why you have those conversations with yourself and I had them all the time in my own journey, but they are so futile mm -hmm. because you cannot do anything about it. And you're here at CrossFit to improve your fitness, improve your health, have fun, have a laugh and, and you know, get fit, get healthy, and live long and prosper. It's not about beating someone else. Like, sure, you want to improve, but that's what you then have to focus on. Like, you're going to have good days and bad days. The only thing you can control is your attitude and, you know, mindset as you show up to the gym to train. Yeah, some, some other things that people can't control that they might often, you know, potentially put too much effort into is, like, equipment. You know, like people saying, oh... Like a favourite bar. Yeah, know, this or bar, like a play yeah. Ball. This yeah. bar's not, you know... Or like a pull-up bar on like. rig. Yeah, or some, yeah, something like that. Like the pull-up bar not being, oh, I'm not used to this bar, or 
I don't like this dumbbell because it's got a rubber handle rather than a metal handle and these like tiny little things this skipping rope it's a bit longer than it is you know it's, it's too long for me or whatever mm-hmm. like lots of energy spent in the wrong places um, rather than focusing on their technique how much effort they apply what what's important to them mm. um, you see that all the time I, I also see a big one in the gym is um, people kind of shying away from that failure like the prey style where let's say for example someone can do a 22.5 kilo dumbbell snatch but because the workout has got 50 dumbbell snatches the coach says oh you need to be able to do 10 and broken they can do 10 and broken at 22 but they go on a 15 because they're like yeah because because they go like oh i don't want to fail on 22 Mm -hmm. i don't want to i don't want to mess up and you know get it wrong and i think like Whereas, End up doing 50 and broken. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. And, and miss, the, miss the workout a little bit, you know. Like, whereas the, the predators are going, oh, I've, got, I've only really got eight on 22 and a half, but I'll give it a go, you know. Yeah, like, I mean, I think, you know, there's a fine line here because there's definitely a place for not over yeah, lifting. Missing, yeah, yeah I get you that, know, yeah. Like not, it's a balance. And not going it, yeah. too heavy and then yeah. your form sucks and then, you're, you know, you're taking yeah. too many breaks and what you're doing is teaching your body to move badly and suffer rather yeah. than move well. Yeah. So it's a fine line and, and that's definitely a journey. I know what you mean in that through fear of failure and through fear of almost pushing too hard, we go too far back. Sometimes. Yeah. That's part of your journey in that actually, if you have a day where you go too heavy and it's like, and, and okay, you have to take more breaks and, and again, you miss the stimulus. It's, it's just a learning opportunity. Yeah. It's like, you're going to have those times in CrossFit where you go too heavy and you're like, ah, oh, that was a mistake. You're like, you go too fast out the gate and you're like, oh, blew up on that one. Probably should take it back a step. But if you never test that barrier, mm. you'll never know. Yeah. And that's the thing as well. Like through fear of like not going fast enough or not going like heavy enough. So you like scale it back. You, you then never know your limit. Mm. You've, you've got to either like red line once in a while or like really push yourself and then you know, and then you can bring it back. Because once you've gone too heavy or too fast, at least then you pull it back from there rather than always going too light. So yeah. it's... Yeah, I get that balance. I, I think another thing that people maybe spend too much time on is like the movements. You know, like when someone, let's say a workout's announced to the open or it's on the board and it's something that you don't like, let's say, I don't know, overhead squats, right? And people are like, oh God, I'm rubbish at overhead squats. I can't do overhead squats. So last time I did overhead squats, so I failed and whatever. Like it's all a complete waste of energy because you yeah. can't change the movement. No. <laughs> it's on the board. That's what we're doing. Or, you know, it's been announced, that's what we're doing. Um, and we're not denying your experience that you struggled with the red squats. Yeah. Or have done. But yeah. then, as you said, if it's, not, if it's been a while since, yeah. and it's like, oh, okay, I find that moving challenging. I'm going to go in and give it my best shot. I'm going to yeah. go in and warm up and see how it feels. And then it's having that attitude rather than the instant, oh, man, I'm going to suck at this. Exactly. This is going to be a terrible and, thing. And, like, you'd, like, by the way, I'm not perfect to this. You no, won't no, be no, either. No. Like, we all do it, right? But it's... Now let's move on to like, we've, we've covered what the two are. Now let's move on to how we actually rectify that. So I think this, the first place this starts with is, is awareness. Oh yeah. So listening to your own vo- like vocalization of those thoughts, like, oh, I hate overhead squats or, oh, can you see that that judge in that lane is better than that judge in that lane? And, oh, we've got the worst judge. When you hear those things coming out in your, out of your mouth, you need to have the awareness to go, oh, hang on, that's a prey thought, that's a prey mindset, in order to fix it. Yeah. Um, before, after you've got them, and you know you can hear them coming out, and you've got that awareness of hearing them coming out, out your mouth, the next step is to not say them. 
to maybe think them but not say them right mm-hmm. um, and just hold them in a little bit and go hang on that's a prey for how can I turn that into more of a predator style thought mm-hmm. and then after that it's, it's I think it's about intention so uh, uh, sorry action so once you've got that um, predator mindset okay what am I actually going to do to make sure that I am going to perform better on this day yeah. can I speak to my judge and say you know I've noticed that you know repping people for this can you look at a few of my reps and make sure that they're okay? Can mm-hmm. you, you know, do anything that's proactive and actually mm-hmm. take action on something that is actually in your control rather than focus on the things that aren't? Yeah, and then just not not doing anything about it. Yeah. And then suffering worse. Yeah. The thing about thoughts, we can't control them. Yeah. Can't change them. Can't fight them. And anything to do that is worthless. There's an analogy about thoughts known as let the monsters ride the bus. Right, and so if all of your negative thoughts are like evil little monsters that come onto the bus that you're driving, and you're driving this bus in line with your kind of actions and values and goals. If you try to kick those monsters off the bus, or fight them, or try and force them off, or change them, you aren't driving that bus anymore. Like you've crashed, you crashed into the side of the road. Yeah. But those monsters will come on, and they'll get off, and they'll come on, and they'll get off all in their own time if you just let, leave them alone. So the only thing that you can do is notice your thoughts, and as you said, have awareness of them. Yeah. Name them for what they are. This is a negative thought. This is an automatic negative thought. Yeah. And rather than believe this thought, because you are not your thoughts, you are yourself. You are separate from your thoughts. They're like clouds in the sky. You then say, that's a negative thought. And instead, I'm going to reframe this. This is a difficult thing. But instead, I'm going to you know, go with this thought. And as you said, I'm going to take action and be like, right, I'm going to go speak to this judge. Or I'm going to do my best at this movement. Or... Yeah, I'm having a negative thought. Do an thought. extra five minutes warm-up. Yeah, yeah, I'm having a negative thought about comparison again. I know that that's totally human and normal to do because we're emotional animals, but rather than buy into that and embrace that identity of comparison, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let that thought go and yeah. focus on my own game. And I think having a structured way of doing that is really important, actually. like I was talking to Louis about this, a similar concept to this, last week. Um, and a lot of members won't know about this about Louis, but he was a really high-level um, karate athlete, not the like dancey one, the actual fighting one. Like he went, it was at a European level, um, <coughs> you know, really good, uh, um, high-level competitor. And he used to have this saying, which would be like, "Delete that program." He used to tell me, which was like, if he came to a venue, for example, and the mats were like a bit slippy, and he noticed it, it was like, "Oh, sh- mats look slippy." If it didn't serve him, that thought, he would then say to himself out loud. Delete so program. the thought was internal in his head. Yeah. Oh, the mats look slippy. And then out loud of his mouth, he would go, delete that program. Brilliant. And then like having that in your head, like there's another um, example of this golfer that Jack was telling me about. Um, he's watching that golf program at the moment where he'd associate <laughs> every good shot with himself mm-hmm. and every bad shot with not himself. Yeah, yeah. So it reinforced his belief that he was the best you know, golfer at the time. Mm-hmm. So he, if he hit a bad shot, he would go, "That's not me." He'd say it, right? Yeah, and in yeah. his head, he's going, "Is is 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 monster?" Like you just discussed, is probably saying, "Oh, that's the third bad shot in a row. Yeah, you're, you're having crap. a bad game." Yeah, you're crap. Right? A bad day. But his mouth, what actually is action that comes out was, "That's not me." Move on to the next shot. Yeah, and that sets him up for success. Um, it's this whole awareness that the thoughts. If the if you're having the th- you're hearing the thought, it can't be you. Mm. that's weird to think about isn't it well because you're not your thoughts yeah. they're going to be automatic and as yeah. you said like if you're in the middle of a workout and you start having negative thoughts that you believe and take action on 
you're going to have a terrible time. Mm. You're going to have a terrible workout. It's going to be a bad day. You're going to go home in a huff. Rather than, you know, if that golfer, let's say, he did have a bad day, he can, at least in the moment, he was controlling what he could control. And then afterwards, he can have the game analysis and the self-compassion to say, we all have bad days. Yeah. And I'm just going to go in tomorrow and I'm going to focus on how it feels. Because again, it's proprioception, isn't it? It's kinesthetic awareness. I'm going to focus on how it feels and I'm going to do my best because I know that I am a good golfer. It's like that reinforcement yeah. of like, I am a good golfer. And I had the same thing with um, cricket. Something that I do in cricket is every time I play a shot, I pull at my trouser and my scratch where my take my guard, and then that ball's forgotten. Even yeah. if I hit, next even ball. if I hit yeah. it for six, it's like next ball. Yeah, and it's not like oh, I've hit that for six. I'm having a great day. I'm going to hit the next one for six, <laughs> or like, and it's not like oh, I missed that. I'm having a, oh, that was a really shit shot. Like I'm playing crap today. It's just like oh, that was a bad shot. Yeah, scratch, pull, next yeah. ball. Yeah, I love that. That's like a physical rather than a work. That's what yeah. con- that's what connected it to. It was, a, it yeah. was from my therapist. It was yeah. like a idea of like trying to connect something physical and a, having a almost like a routine. Yeah, you see it with rugby players when they set up to take a kick. They have yeah. that kind of like routine, and it's just it's a mindset piece. Yeah, and I think that's the key here, isn't it? So, like to make this, um, you know, to make this really clear because I don't think I've done a very good job of making it clear. Uh, Member when we walks into a local competition, yeah, they're at form fitness series or whatever. They walk in and Ooh. yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> they're at form fitness series and uh, you know there is a judge that's doing really high standards and a judge that's not, mm-hmm. you know, and they hear themselves going to their friends. Oh my god, we've got the really hard judge. He's always like doing high standards. It's it's hard for us. Like look at their squat depth. It's not it's nowhere near ours. You know saying things like that. I think what we want there is for those members to recognise that what's been said and go, hang on, that sounds like a prey fort. Okay, how do I move that to predator? And then have that strategic cue, whether it's a physical one, like Johnny said, pulling your trousers away from your leg, whatever, stamping the floor, or a verbal one where you just go, that doesn't serve me. You know, you say those words and you recognise that those thoughts aren't putting you in the right direction. Mm. And that can that happens at a local competition, it happens every single day in the gym. Even a class. Yeah. Yeah, delete that programme. Yeah. I really liked like, you know, take it away from a competition so that even if you're, you know, for all of you who come in and don't compete, you know, you're here to exercise and, and work out, which is a great achievement. It's having that mindset coming in. Mm. Like, have the intention to do your best, even when it's, you know, movements and workouts that you don't enjoy or aren't your strength. And then do your best, push yourself to do your best. Don't worry about anyone else because it doesn't matter. Like, you're here for your own fitness and that's the thing that matters. Yeah. Wicked. Hope you enjoyed that, guys. Like um, we always say, if you would like to get a question into our um, warm-up, then please comment on the Instagram when I post this uh, podcast later on. Uh, And if you would like us to cover one of the hot takes, whether it's barefoot shoes or, I don't know, glass Tupperware on the fitness industry, whenever the trends, um, just comment on uh, the podcast or potentially even just send us a direct message. Thanks for that. Cheers, Johnny. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Shire Fit Podcast with Max and Johnny. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and we will see you next week for another episode.